Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from July 11th by Pastor Randy titled Deliverance from Fear. So let's start out this way. When God began his relationship with man, he gave him tremendous freedom. He said, you can eat of all these trees, all this stuff is yours, except the one. So God gave us freedom to enjoy the whole world. But what do we focus on? Not everything we had to enjoy. We focus on the one except, right? Except that tree. And so when man was, was tempted by Satan, it was, you go ahead and eat of that tree. You go ahead and, and, and you do that and you can become free. And so man bought into that temptation, decided I don't have to follow after what God says. I can do my own thing. I'll be free. And he wound up in bondage. And we've been in bondage ever since. But the good thing about that is that we have a God that specializes in delivering us from bondage. All through Scripture, we see God's people either on a, a, a cultural level or a national level or even as an individual level be in bondage, but then they can get delivered. In bondage, you get delivered. And the ultimate bondage deliverance story is in the cross, of course. That covers all of our bondages. It comes to the cross. But probably the second best story of being delivered from bondage is the Exodus story. And it goes something like this. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons one of which was Joseph, who became head of all Egypt, second in command of all Egypt, not head, second in command of all Egypt, through just a variety of circumstances. And then he brought his whole family, all his brothers and all their family and kids and all that, 80-something of them, over to Egypt to live during the famine, and they just prospered. They stayed there and prospered and prospered and prospered, become so numerous that eventually Pharaoh, he, he feared them, and he put them in bondage. Now, that's about 40 chapters summed up in two sentences. But that's what happened. Okay? And we're going to refer back to that Exodus story in just a minute. But here's what I want you to catch in this. So if you happen to not have enough caffeine in your body and you fall asleep or, or you're like getting here, so you just sort of fall over and sometimes I go, oh, that's what I see you guys do a lot of times. If that's what happens to you, here's what you need to catch just right here. Before you can break free of any bondage, you have to break free from the bondage of fear. Okay, that's where we're headed. So here's the thing. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did they do? They hid. God came along, the shortest game of hide and seek ever. Okay, and he comes along and says, why are you hiding? And what was their answer? Because we were what? Afraid. Afraid. They were also naked too, some of you. I didn't expect anybody to go there. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. But, but they were afraid. The first negative emotion expressed in the Bible is fear. And that has plagued us ever since. We have become so used to fear that we can't imagine life without it. That's probably why the most repeated command in the Bible is do not fear because that's how pervasive it is among us. And Satan comes along. He wants to give us all these fake fears, but we don't recognize him as fake because we're so used to living in fear. 
But what, what if terror was the actual error here? What if that was what's wrong? Paul said this. He says, God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So what is the actual error? How can I not be afraid? Jesus come along, he'd often say, just don't fear, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. As if it was that easy. As if we could just take our fear of spiders or fear of water or whatever it is and just not be afraid. As if we can just do it like that. And that would be great if it was just that easy for us. Because fear hurts us relationally, hurts us emotionally, hurts us even physically. A guy by the name of, of Mike Adams, he's a professor at Eastern Connecticut State University. He did a study on the health of grandparents in relation to grandkids who were in college. And what he found out was this. When the grandkid was approaching midterm finals, the grandparents were so worried about their grandkids going through finals or midterms that they were 10 times more likely to die during that time period. And if they were going through finals, they were 19 times more likely to die. And if they flunked out of college, they were 50 times more likely to die. So the lesson is, grandparents, if you have grandkids, don't let them go to college. It'll kill you, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. Fear traffics into what if. What if? What if I lose my job? What if this mass is malignant? What if I can't provide for myself during retirement? What if I never get married? What if we never have kids? What if our kids never come back to God? Here's the thing about fear. Fear will take away your sense of self-worth. Because you can't feel good about yourself if you're cowardly all the time. Fear will steal your joy. You've never heard of a fearful, joyful person. Fear will, will take away your, your growth. It'll take away your, your, your growth as, as in that's all areas of life, pretty much. You become stagnation. You won't grow any. Fear will fill your life full of regret. It'll do all that. Here's the next thing I want you to realize. Fear is a consequence of a faithless perspective. Underneath your phobia is a belief that's just leaving God out. Psalm 46, 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas. So here's what I want you to understand. Here's something else that I won't try to get through to you. Fear is not the result of circumstances. Fear is the result of how you interpret your circumstances. Because here's the thing. Two people can go through the exact same circumstance and one's afraid and one's not. It's like the 12 spies. Ten of them went in and they saw how big the, the cities were, how fortified the cities were, how big the people were. And they were terrified. They were quivering in their boots. They were so afraid. But Joshua and Caleb, who saw the exact same thing, said, nothing to fear here. Our God can handle this. Completely different. All right. So here's the thing. Most of the things we struggle with well, it doesn't matter if it's an addiction or if it's a, a people pleasing, whatever it may be. Most things we struggle with has behind it a fear that must be conquered. For example, a workaholic 
He has a fear of not having enough or not being perceived of being good enough. A people pleaser, they have a fear of rejection. So they will always say things and do things to get people to like them. There are people who will put up with abuse because they're afraid of being alone. There are people who get into all sorts of addictions because they're afraid of handling life's challenges without any help. So here's our story in Exodus. A few verses to read, but we're going to read this together. Okay? Exodus chapter 1. Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation eventually died, but the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and, and leave the country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built Python and Ramses as supply cities for Pharaoh. But the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. All right, here's the thing that I want you to, to realize right here is that they worked the Israelites ruthlessly, right? They, they, they totally did that. And that, okay, one of us is not quite there, but anyway, let's, let's back up a little bit. They worked them to the bone. What happened was Pharaoh said, you know, we're afraid of them. He lived in the what if. That's what he's doing. He's living in the what if. And the what if, what does the what if do? When people live in the what if, what do they do? They try to control people or control the situation. That's why there's helicopter parents. That's why there's dictators. Because they want to try and control people in the situation. And it's amazing what you can do when you get people afraid. It's amazing what people do when they get afraid. Look at the Holocaust. Look at the genocide in Rwanda. Look at what's happening across our culture today. The Israelites were nothing but a blessing to the Egyptians. But yet, Pharaoh came along and began to see them with fear and begin to, to live a life that oppressed them. What did he do first? First, he just tried to work them to death. Hey, let's get them so busy doing this stuff that they don't have time to have kids. But did that work? No, they grew even more numerous. Then what did he do next? He said, well, if we can't wear them out, we'll wipe them out. So he called in the, the midwives. Okay, and here's where we're fixing to read this. But the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked them ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with difficult labor in brick and mortar and all kinds of field work. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, the first whose name was Shipra and the second whose name was Pua, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If a child is if a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, she may live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. So they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? And let the boys live. The midwives said to Pharaoh, The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. 
So God was good to the midwives and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh then commanded all his people, you must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. So here's what I want you to see. Fear doesn't just put us in bondage, but drives us to put other people in bondage. That's what Pharaoh was doing. Living in the what if. So it's not just affecting him. What does he do? Well, I had to control the situation. As I said, this is what the helicopter parents, the dictators are all about. Because they're afraid of something. So at first, Pharaoh said, let's work him to death. That didn't work. So he said, we can't, you know, we can't uh, just make them wear out. We'll just wipe them out. So he calls these midwives in and says, look, when a, when, a, when a child's being born, if it's a boy, you take it and you suffocate it. So it's going to look like it's stillborn. But th that didn't happen either. So then he just throws off all pretense and says, just throw them all into the Nile River. Just kill them all. It's amazing what people will do when they're afraid. Here's what we need to see next. The biggest challenge was not getting Israel out of Egypt, but getting Egypt out of Israel. Because this is what fear does. Here's the background on, on what's going on. Most people don't, don't understand this about the, this deliverance story, but, but here it is out of Ezekiel. On that day, I swore to them that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful of all lands. I also said to them, throw away each of you the abhorrent things that you prize and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You see, what, what, what happened is Israel responded to the oppression of Pharaoh by compromising their worship. What happened is they wanted to, to keep God happy and Pharaoh happy. Here's what you need to understand. You will never be able to face your fear, overcome your fear, get out of your, your bondage that you're in until you decide that you're going to identify with God and God be God's alone. That's what made these midwives so impressive. Because they didn't bow to Pharaoh. All of Egypt was bowing to Pharaoh. They didn't. Most of Israel was bowing to Pharaoh too. They still refused to bow. So what do we do? How do you survive in a culture where behind every headline is a fear. Where everything we read and, and everything we see is trying to give us something else to be afraid of. Here it is. Freedom from fear requires a better fear. Only way out of it. Let me give you a, a human illustration of this. Ray Blankenship lived in Ohio. He was sitting eating breakfast one morning looking out his front window, and they had been having rain, 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 and more rain. And so the ditch in front of his house was, was like a, a torrential river. I mean, they just running through it. And he looked up and goes, did I see what I think I saw? A little girl caught in that water, flowing down that ditch. And a little ways further down, that ditch goes to a covert underneath the road. He knows that that girl reached that, she's going to die. So he hops up, runs out there. He's running along beside her, trying to grab her, but he can't do it. So he just jumps in and grabs a hold of her. Trying to get out of that ditch, can't do it. Three feet before that culvert, he manages to, to grab a rock and hang on until the firemen show up. 
given a life-saving award. But the thing is, Ray Blankenship is afraid of water. He can't swim. So what happened for him to be able to overcome that fear? Now people are afraid of water. They don't want to get baptized. They're that afraid of water. They think, maybe I'm going to keep them down too long or whatever. Even that. And so some people, it's, it's a very immobilizing fear. How did he overcome that? Because he had a greater fear. That this little girl might die. Here's the thing. Twice it says in our text that Shipra and Pua, those midwives, twice it says they feared God. They were not afraid of Pharaoh. Why? Because of their fear of God. It led them away from being afraid of Pharaoh and it focused on God. So they weren't afraid of Pharaoh. Here's the thing that, that I want you to, to get here is that, that your real God is whoever or whatever you fear. See, your real God is, is not shown by what's on your bumper sticker, your car, or what's on your jewelry that you wear, or what's on your refrigerator magnet. Your real God is shown by whoever, whatever you fear, because whoever, whatever you fear shapes your life. We saw this past year with COVID. A lot of people claim to fear God. But what happened? It was shown that they put their hope in their money, or put their hope in their health, or put their hope in politics. And whenever you do not put your fear in God, you will always wind up in bondage to a Pharaoh. Here's the thing. You will always forfeit your freedom if you can't get rid of your fear. It's going to go. And a lot of us have been looking for fear in all the wrong places. We have the wrong fear. Here's the thing. The foundation of all deliverance is the fear of God. Okay, here's a, here's a verse for us. Because if you don't fear God, if you don't have a healthy fear of God, Jesus just becomes your life coach to help you reach a goal. That's how foundational having a fear of God is. Here's our verse we're starting with. Another verse. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry for help and saves them. So here's the question. What does it mean to fear God? What does it mean to fear God? Here we go. To fear God is to be so aware of God and so sure of God that you can't be intimidated by anything else. To be so aware of God and so sure of God that you can't be intimidated by anything else. This is those 12 spies that go into the promised land. The 10 of them who, who were totally afraid, the two of them said, no fear here. We know our God can do this. This is David who comes across Goliath, defying the, the armies of God, blaspheming, the God, blaspheming God, and him saying, give me some armor. I'm ready to go. To be so aware of God, so sure of God, that you can't be intimidated by anything else. I love this story in Matthew. Suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. Anybody been there? The boat filling with water? I've been there a few times right near the dock. Whoops, somebody forgot to put the plug in. Who was that? Maybe it was me. But I've also been there when we're out in the middle of the water. And all of a sudden we realize, this boat's getting full. 
that can be scary, especially when you're in a time when there's no life jackets, right? But Jesus was sleeping. We're going to talk about him not being afraid in a minute. So the disciples came and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. He said to them, why are you afraid? And I'm going, it's like being in a room with spiders. Just what I do. You know, we're out in the water here and we don't have any life jackets because they're not invented yet. You just, you're just sort of afraid. And we all have those fears, don't we? We all have them. We all have those phobias that just sort of come. Because like I said, we're so used to fear, we don't know, we can't imagine life without it. Can you imagine life without a fear of spiders? Can you imagine life without a fear of bad dreams? Can you imagine life without whatever your phobia is? Jesus, of course, we're afraid. But Jesus doesn't see it that way. Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Then the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Mark puts it this way. Mark says this, and they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. See, they were afraid that they thought they were about to drown. But now they're more afraid because they realize who's in the boat with them. Somebody who can just speak a word and and the seas calm, the winds calm down. Everything is perfectly still. And they begin to think, maybe we've been afraid of the wrong thing. We were afraid of drowning. But now we're really afraid. Here it is. When you fear God, you will be stunned by how courageously you can face the things trying to put you in bondage. See, this is why you never see Jesus afraid of anything. Never. He's not intimidated. He's not afraid. Not of the religious leaders. Not of the Romans. Not even the demonic world. Here's what we read in Isaiah. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will execute justice by what he hears with his ears. He's going to delight in the fear of God. He's going to understand and be aware of God's sovereignty so much that his joy is fear in God. Because he understands who he is. He's, he's, again, he's so aware of God. He's so aware of God and so sure of God that he can't be intimidated by anything else. Psalm 118, the Lord is for me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortal do to me? Listen to this next verse. See Jesus' perspective on our fear. Don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny, yet one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent? Uh, But even the hairs of your head have been all counted. And here's, here's this conclusion. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. So you see what it's saying. You're not supposed to have any fear because you have a better fear. We'll look at a few more verses to help us understand that in just a minute. But, but let, me, 
give you an understanding. He says, you know, don't be, don't, uh, when you live in fear of God, you're not going to be afraid of what's going on around you. Let me explain that a little bit. Remember at Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus arrested the disciples, they run away in fear because they think it's going to happen to us and we don't want to be part of that. So they run away in fear. But after the resurrection, everything changed, didn't it? Now they think we were afraid of the wrong thing. Now we understand who God is, that he can conquer death. He can steal the wars. He can do anything. So now their fear shifted. And they begin to have a different fear. And their fear of God, their understanding of awareness of who God was and what he could do, just freed them from all their earthly fears. And what happened? To them, God did not take them out of the fearful circumstances they faced later on, did he? He just took the fear out of those circumstances. They did get arrested, got beaten, but they were never afraid. That fear was gone. Then they could walk in confidence. See, what Jesus simply did is he just reinterpreted the way that they viewed life. And fear not was just how they lived life after that. At the end of the second century, Marcus Aurelius became emperor in Rome. Put forth another persecution of Christians. During his reign, a man by the name of Claudius Galenius was a physician. Pretty good physician. In fact, his works influenced medicine for the next 1,300 years. That, that, that's how amazing this guy's work was. But here's the thing about being a physician. You're going to learn more about the human body. But how do you do that in a culture where it's illegal to examine a dead body? The only bodies you can examine are living bodies. So you go to where there's dying bodies that they can examine them. What better place than where they're putting Christians to death all the time? It's scheduled. Coliseum tomorrow at three, guys. Come on, we're going to be over there. We have a lot more buys we can examine. We can learn a whole lot. So he saw a lot of Christians dying. He was there examining them as they were dying. Here's what he wrote. A fearlessness of death and the hereafter is something we witness in them every day. No matter what we put them through, they're not afraid. We see it every day. So fear not, even when there's something to be afraid of. Here's what we read in Psalm. When I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God's whose word I praise, in God who I trust, I will not be afraid. When I'm afraid, when there's something to be afraid of, I'm not going to be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So David is even there saying this, when, I, when, when I'm afraid, when there's something to be afraid of, I'm not going to be afraid. That's why Jesus would tell him, fear not. Why are you afraid in this storm? When there's something to be afraid of, you don't have to be afraid. See, what David did, David is putting God between him and his fears rather than putting his fears between him and God. We shouldn't be afraid. So the question is, what are you going to be afraid of? Pharaoh representing all the fears of this world, or are you going to be afraid of God? 
And what you need to understand is that God always wins. Pharaoh wanted to kill all the Hebrew boys, but he set in motion the events that led to the firstborn of every Egyptian household killed, wiped out, gone. He threw, was throwing them into the Nile River. Later on, his whole army gets drowned in the river. We're not even sure who that Pharaoh was. There's debate on was it this Pharaoh or this Pharaoh? We're not sure exactly who that Pharaoh was when the Exodus story happened. But we know the name of the midwives. Shipper and Pua. God recognizes those who fear him. Last verse. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. So here's a question. If you weren't afraid, what would you do? If you weren't afraid to practice courageous obedience, what would that look like in your life? Would you be witnessing more? Would you be you know, giving more? What would that look like in your life if you weren't afraid? What fears in your life are you tired of fearing? Maybe you're afraid for your health. Do you realize God made your body? He's going to give you a new one. Maybe you're afraid of your provision. Do you realize he owns a cattle of a thousand hills? You can trust him for your daily bread. Maybe you're afraid of tomorrow. He holds tomorrow in his hand. He knows exactly what's happening tomorrow. Maybe you're afraid of death. He rose from the grave. So, what are you afraid of? What would you begin? See, you need to determine that the first step is to fear God first. Are you going to focus on God or are you going to focus on Pharaoh? Here's what I wrote down a little bit earlier. Whenever you refuse to humble yourself, you're fearing the wrong thing. What do people know? What do people find out? Whenever you refuse to humble yourself, you're fearing the wrong thing. Whenever you refuse to trust God, you're fearing the wrong thing. And whenever you fear the wrong thing, that leads you into bondage. Not freedom, bondage. So what are you afraid of? And at times you just take that fear and say, God, I don't want this fear to have me anymore. I'm laying it down to you, and Lord, I'm directing everything toward you. I'm telling you, it's become more and more apparent. We live in a culture where we're so used to fear, we can't imagine life without it. Going through life, not being afraid of things. And the only way to do that is to replace those fears with a greater fear, a fear of God. That's what drives all these other fears away. When we become so sure of God, when we become so sure of God and so aware of God that we can't be intimidated by anything. Because we know all of a sudden we're aware God's in control of it all. So I guess the better question is, who's in your boat this morning? 
just some guy going around teaching and doing things? Or is the God of the universe in your boat? Are you aware of who he is? Do you live that way? When you do, you will be fearless. You realize, what can mere man do to me? What can this situation do to me? You'll be like Joshua and Caleb. Yeah, I see those walls. I see how fortified the cities are. I see how big those giants are. Not a problem with God. Not afraid at all. And you will begin to live with God between you and your fears rather than your fears between you and God. It's the only way to get out of bondage. There's only one way to get out of bondage. No matter what your bondage is, it begins by having a healthy fear of God. So what do you need to lay down at his feet right now? Is pride keeping you from, from humbling yourself? What are you, what area you're not trusting God in now? It's because you're fearing the wrong thing. Are you ready to turn that over? Stop fearing the wrong thing. And lay that, lay all that at God's feet. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org. Thank you.